Welcome to Philosophy Jam. I'm Ricky. I'm Chell. Today we're talking with Paul Howitt, who's been thinking about making American politics more like sports. That's weird because the Taylor Swift Super Bowl this weekend is already a CIA op to help Joe Biden win the presidential election. Paul, what are you thinking? Sports! I'm thinking about <laughs> sports. Yeah, so people like sports a lot more than they like politics, um, and they're much more engaged in it, but I kind of care about politics, and I think we need to care about it a certain amount in order for our lives to sort of go well. So I was thinking about uh, how do we make something like politics more like sports in the sense of people being much more actively engaged in it mm. and uh, bringing to it the sort of array of investment and knowledge and skills and everything that they bring into uh, sports uh, as fans or as players of the sport. And there's certain ways in which the two of them can be similar or already are similar where you can create sort of analogy between them and figure out, okay, how do we, like, say, take a bunch of the features that sports have and then graph those over onto the political realm? So there's a few things that we can sort of break this down into. I've just got three of them here. So one thing for citizens that we want them to be able to do is to have a certain amount of knowledge or uh, wisdom, intelligence, the, the exact phrase is always difficult to figure out. Um, but basically we want them to be able to know things. Uh, so for example, you want them to have a decent amount of factual knowledge, uh, at the bare minimum, like who the candidates are or what the main issues of the day are and certain details about whether or not something like climate change is happening or, a certain nation has declared intention to invade or something. Who won the 2020 election? Exactly, yeah. Um, so you want people to have a certain amount of factual knowledge. Uh, and if we look at sports, sports fans have a ton of factual knowledge, especially ones that are into things like fantasy sports uh, or they're avid fans of a particular team or even just a particular league. Uh, and typically, I would probably bet uh, that people who are sports fans know way more about sports uh, in terms of like the facts that they can marshal uh, compared to what most ordinary people know about politics. Um, so uh, if we're looking for like our first analog here, then knowledge, factual knowledge. Okay, so sports, people are much more uh, knowledgeable in terms of what facts they have when it comes to sports. So there must be something about sports that makes that knowledge like more interesting or something in it that leads to that knowledge. Uh, so if we can figure out how to make politics more like that, then that would be great. Another thing that uh, sports seem to have a lot more than politics, unfortunately, is participation. So especially all throughout the 20th century, scholars uh, and like journalists and everything would really consistently raise alarms about like how low voter turnout is and how inactive most people are within politics in the American scene. So they don't go out to vote as much as they would, especially in like midterms and things like that. Uh, they don't deliberate with each other as much. But we really want citizens to be doing this because otherwise you don't have this sort of rule by the people for the people to rule. They need to actually be out there trying to rule. Um, but you don't have that problem 
uh, participation within uh, sports because people are really actively involved in sports. They pay money to go watch live sports. They may even pay money to watch sports at home via some sort of cable subscription or I don't know how the heck people do it nowadays. Um, but streaming stream they stream the sport that's illegal they, they go into the stream and pull out the sport uh yeah sports doesn't really have this kind of participation problem because you've got people uh at sort of all levels buying tickets for sports going to the events being actively uh engaged with the whole process um so if we can find a way hi kit <laughs> kit has made her appearance on kit the podcast hello kit that's my cat that is Philosophy Jam's mascot, Kit the Cat. <laughs> Come here, you can sit in my lap. Come here. Yep. Okay, so again, if we can make something like politics a lot more like sports in terms of being able to draw people in uh, and get a lot of active commitment and involvement from them, that would be another thing that would be really key. Um, and then the last thing is structure. Uh, so what I mean by this is... We need certain institutions or groups or organizations that help us sort of think about politics, that help us to engage in different debates or help us to figure out what we're supposed to be doing as citizens, what we're supposed to think, who we're supposed to vote for, things like that. So you need things like uh, methods for thinking about certain political issues or resources like... A lot of states send out a bunch of info about the candidates, like where you're supposed to be voting, all that different stuff. Indiana does not. <laughs> Indiana, you have to search really, really hard for it, and not having that structure is problematic, because even for me, somebody who's interested in voting, like it's immediately a drag on wanting to have to do it. If I have to look up all these different things, I don't even know where I'm supposed to look them up or what's reliable. So having some sort of structure that can give you information that can give you guidance in terms of where you're supposed to go as a citizen um, and then the sort of like tools that you need to be able to play your role pretty well is something that would be really good uh, and this is also something that sports fans have uh, so if you look at different sports leagues like you've got your local sports team you've got that team inside of a more regional conference and that is inside a larger league and stuff and there's all sorts of programs devoted specifically to sports there's programs devoted to very particular sports uh, or general ones and these can give you all sorts of guidance uh, in terms of what you're supposed to think as a sports fan. What teams should you be watching? What teams can you watch? What, how can you sort of learn more about the game or figure out how it's played better? There's lots of different resources out there and there is that sort of structure already built in where people can go to a game, they can watch their, their favorite team play in a certain way and there's coverage that provides context that provides all sorts of resources for being able to figure out like how do I be a fan of this team and mm -hmm. I don't ever really worry about flipping on a basketball game or something and being like oh I'm entirely lost I don't know which team I'm watching or what it is like there's definitely ways that you can easily figure out okay here's what's going on within the sport 
you can look up player stats, you can look up anything you want to um, pretty easily. So my basic idea is, all right, how do we make something like politics more like sports in these three different ways? And I guess it all sort of comes down to making it more like organized, but in an interesting way where it's compelling and people feel a certain sort of like pride in it. Awesome. Uh, can I ask a little bit about the central analogy? Like, if I'm a sports fan, uh, I guess that's like being a citizen. But say that I don't trust Torian Prince of the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Okay, I can tweet, Torian Prince is bad. Stop <laughs> playing him, Darvin Ham. Trade Torian Prince. But what control do I really have over outcomes? Or like, even if I'm more interested, there's a distinct way in which I seem less empowered. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, we have the same sort of issue when it comes to politics, too. Like, how much control do you have over a representative? I mean, you do vote for them. uh, So at least there's that where you don't vote for who's going to be the coach of your team or whatever. But I think even then, like within the political sphere, I don't think the actual vote is necessarily what gives citizens power. I think it's what is behind that vote and what that vote can signal or do. Um, So like to me, if I'm a politician, I'm not really scared about a certain number of citizens having a vote. I'm scared about them learning a certain number of things or starting to think a certain way or speak a certain way in public um, that like take away from my own uh, sort of popularity, make people who are like money backers worried about whether or not uh, they're going to continue backing me uh, in this or maybe like some sort of primary event happens and I have to worry about that. But I think most of what you can do like power wise or leverage wise as a citizen is probably going to be more about like your threat of a vote um, than anything and the, the sort of more deliberative aspect that comes with that in terms of like, yeah, I can talk with other people and we can all sort of start to agree that a certain stance should be taken. And you can do the same sort of thing with sports, right? Like uh, a local sports team's fandom starts getting really, really angry. I mean, this happens in Chicago sports all the time. It's like a classic thing where it's, ah, the the bears are are just absolutely killing me, you know? Uh, Because they're they're picking all the wrong guys. Yeah, typically it's the GM that people are going on about as if they're the president because, I mean, I guess they kind of are when it comes to, like, personnel. Um, But, yeah, like, people will sort of mount pressure or you can do a similar sort of thing when it comes to sports. You can just stop watching. Um, And there's probably nothing more threatening to a person who (laughs) is making big decisions for a sports team than, oh, shit, our fans are going to be gone. Which is not a pressure in politics. That's true. Yeah, you can't walk, really, in politics. But, I mean, I think the the ability to effectively walk in the sense of choosing a different person or a different party Mm. is, I think, at least analogous enough. Um, But, I mean, in both cases, I think the... The actual power you're going to have is going to be really mediated, which is another reason I think that the structure thing is really important. I think it can only be like group power. 
unless they have a bunch of money. Um, but a, a group of people uh, who start to think and act a certain way is a much different thing. So this is supposed to be something like, we're talking about sports fans, I take it, right? Are it supposed to be analogous to the voters? Are then the players meant to be kind of analogous to the politicians or elected officials, potential officials? Yeah. Okay. I think so. Because when I think about sports fans, there's a small subset of people who just, they just love sports, right? They'll watch the NFL when it's football season. Mm -hmm. They watch the NBA when it's NBA season. They watch hockey when it's hockey season. But I think most people are non-participatory about most sports, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't go out of my way ever really to watch hockey. I don't know. I'm from Minnesota. I probably should. I'm probably sinning against, you know, my, my birth state or whatever, but I, I just, I don't care about hockey, frankly. I only really care about baseball. And even that I don't care that much about, at least I used to care a lot about it, right? And watch Sports Center and Baseball Tonight all the time, right? And like, I'm just trying to figure out like the contours of the analogy. So how's, because with politics, it seems like, well, there's just the one sport and we want everyone to be interested in it, kind of. Mm -hmm. But how do you... Chicago sports, right? If the Bears are really bad, the Cubs are really bad. I mean, they have diehard fans who are still going to watch. They're still buying season tickets. A lot of fans are much more fickle, though, right? They're, you know, your team's doing bad or the team in the place you are is doing bad. You just stop going, watching, participating, thinking, etc. And then they get hot again. You're like, oh, i got to turn the TV back on. got to buy those tickets again, right? You know? I mean, I feel like a lot of people right now, at least in the United States, are just completely burnt out on politics, right? Mm. And so, I mean, I'm tempted by this analogy, right? Like, I sort of like that. Like, that would be a great, you know, sports does have a kind of, like, loyalty, you know, that fans have. They tend to participate over time, even if, you know, their team isn't doing great, at least some of them. But I guess I'm trying to figure out, like, what changes with the analogy when there's, you know, not many sports, but just one sport, and then what to do about things like burnout and fickle fans and that kind of a thing mm, yeah i mean i'll start with burnout i'll have to think about fickle fans a little bit more maybe my subconscious can do that um so with burnout i mean i think there's at least a, a superficial analogy here with uh like the different levels of politics that you can get engaged with so say say like right now the federal government is absolutely useless except for like the administrative state uh congress isn't gonna do much of anything really that's interesting or exciting for any of us uh because it's just entirely gridlocked and it's like structurally that way it doesn't seem like it's gonna go any differently but uh there's a ton of activity at the state level a lot of it's scary um, and a lot of it's not great right now, uh, from my perspective, but a decent amount of it is good. Uh, so like you have lots of activity now, say in places like Michigan, uh, which just recently went democratic and then immediately, uh, started doing lots of really progressive legislation. Um, but then there's also sort of different avenues even than like, government involvement too because i i don't think of citizenship as just sort of like you're a voter and you're a member of the state you've got a one-to-one -one relation between you and this whatever government if you're thinking that oh right now the presidential election looks crap 
and uh, Congress looks crap, not really worth investing in. I mean, you can still engage in protest, you can still organize with other people to uh, press for certain policies at different levels, you can do all sorts of stuff, still engage in deliberation about things. Yeah, and um, as far as, what was was the first one? There was burnout, and then... Fickle. Fickleness. Fickleness, yeah. The fickle fans... I mean, I would hope that if you make it appealing enough in the sense of, like, it's not a drag to be involved in politics, uh, so it has a similar sort of allure to uh, something like sports, but then it also has that underlying element of, like, oh, like, real stuff might happen to me and the people I care about uh, because of this. Like, I mean, there's a reason that the the 2016 and 2020 elections for the president were like the biggest turnouts that we've had in like decades like a really long time and it was entirely driven by trump like it was a vote for and against trump in huge numbers uh the the against numbers were bigger uh and so i think like if people recognize oh here's something that's going to create huge changes um in our lives then hopefully that sort of makes it worth going through it when it's like odious or burdensome or just doesn't seem like it's working out very well yeah so here's where i'm thinking about this analogy because i'm like all right why isn't there that much fake news in sports why isn't there such animus it's more fun Mm -hmm. and you might think well because sports don't matter In sports, we all agree what's good. It's winning. It's outscoring the other team. And in politics, it's a fight over what matters. It's Mm -hmm. a fight over what society we want to be in. And so the stakes are so much higher. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's easy for SportsCenter to be like, look, LeBron scored 40 points or whatever. Uh, That's good. (laughs) As opposed to, you know, this person did this thing. Now we have a panel of people to give the different perspectives Mm. on whether that's good or bad. And so you might just think, well, the big disanalogy here is is that it's important because we're talking about what matters, whereas sports Mm. settles that for us before we even sit down. Yeah, I think this is a crucial disanalogy. And I got to admit, I don't have a super great answer on it. I mean, the, the one thing you do have some discussion in sports of like okay what what matters what makes a good team a good team and stuff like you do have different debates about what players are better what uh teams are better which teams are gonna win a lot of it's like prospective kind of like that um but yeah i i think there's not as much and definitely the the fact that the stakes are different and uh, it's it's sort of almost like a vicarious experience. Like, even when you're playing the sport, like, if you lose the game, it's not that bad. But, yeah, with, with politics, if you lose, then you really lose. Uh, and you might lose pretty big if the stakes are big. Um, I think this is the biggest hurdle to making it something like sports, which is that it would be fun. Um, so... You have to figure out, like, how do you make it... I don't I don't expect politics to be fun, and I don't expect it to have the exact same attitude, necessarily, as with something like sports, because I think it would be weird to sort of 
be like, oh, I'm just going to treat politics like a game uh, and sort of like, hope my team wins. Uh, did you see do, Joe Biden? Yeah, did you see he Biden? had a triple-double, the economy, the military, <laughs> and the, I don't know, whatever else, right? Like, yeah. yeah, so, but I think if you can find something that's analogous to where it's exciting and enervating, I mean, you, you see a bit of this in, like, Barack Obama's 2008 campaign, like... That was one of the first times I can ever remember people being, like, actually really active in politics and, like, being really inspired and stuff. And they were talking about hope and change. And if you can find ways to make it exciting and promising in some way to where there there's going to be the sort of rewards possible mm. uh, in whatever decisions you make or in whatever your vicarious representatives are doing um and if there's a, a way in which you can sort of like experience the the sort of um i don't know like the shared joy that is the same sort of thing as like when your team wins a game and you're around your friends watching the game and you get to celebrate it or something mm-hmm. um i think the more that you can make it something where you can have an appreciation for what's going on and see it as like oh there's good things here which are compelling uh and like people that i want to root for or like certain outcomes that i want to root for could you say a little more to make it not sound like a call to sensationalize political coverage (laughs) well like here let's get people excited it'll be arnold schwarzenegger and oprah winfrey 2028 right like exactly yeah so i mean i think this is So part of what gave me this idea was my dad has recently gotten really into politics. Mm -hmm. Uh, And my dad was somebody who never cared about politics. He wouldn't really watch the news at all. Uh, But once Trump got elected, he became very actively interested in politics. uh, And he himself is a huge sports guy. So he does all the fantasy sports. He watches sports all the time. Um, and I think he got into politics in the same way he's interested in sports. He watches CNN and he wants, he wants to hear them talk about Trump and what's going on in the major events. And CNN is very like, they're kind of like ESPN to a certain extent, or at least they're trying to be where they, they want to have everything like very crisp and visually appealing and fast and 24 hour coverage 24 hour coverage just the highlights just the highlights highlights. um and so i think i don't know if politics to be more sportive in that sense necessarily would be good i mean i think there's a way in which you can go in that direction but veer it a little bit to where it's still got the drawing factor of like this is still exciting um but it carries with it the substance as well. So if you can find a way to make the sort of more rich substance of like, here's the actual things you need to know or be actively talking or acting on, if you can get those things captured in it, but also have it in a a package that's more of like the ESPN sort of model where Mm -hmm. it's very easy to access, it's not going to be a drag. I think if you can sort of wed those two together, then 
It's good. So I guess I guess I would respond by saying I only want it to be half sensationalized. Yeah. I want to sensationalize the substance. So you're thinking like John Oliver is a good model. I think John Oliver is a great model, and I think that's why you had lots of people watching very long videos about things that they would have otherwise never cared to watch about is because he makes it entertaining. It's not super long. He riddles it with different jokes. It's not terribly difficult to follow like it's well organized you know because i mean each each time he does an episode it's on something totally different and it's something that people have almost no experience with he Um, does in a way that's like it strikes a good balance between like too informative which is you know i read a bunch of position papers about economics and quickly get lost because i have no idea what's going on versus too shallow where you know it's like okay i read wikipedia that really didn't give me what i wanted at all right it was just very cursory and he strikes like a really nice balance there and maybe espn kind of does that too actually right you just see the highlights and they kind of tell you what's sort of at stake but you don't have to watch all the boring parts Mm -hmm. yeah and something like espn does like more in-depth coverage on certain things i mean they'll go throughout the highlights of a game or like especially like oh there's the big matchup i'm sure there's going to be all sorts of super bowl coverage where like every aspect of what could happen is going to be covered uh every matchup that you're supposed to be watching is going to be covered and everything. Um, So I think, I mean, there's a way to make the presentation and drawing in of people for politics or for sports Mm -hmm. interesting, but also still, like, informative and good. I don't think they have to be, like, divorced. Although, I mean... There's always the the tension that's going to exist between the two of them because they are going to be pulling in different directions. Because the analog of John Oliver would be Joe Rogan. <sighs> well, people are hungry for that kind of information, right? John Oliver, John Stewart, mm-hmm. and you know, if they don't get that kind of like interesting, engaged thing somewhere, then they're going to get it from people who are offering it, right? And then you get Joe Rogan. Jordan Peterson, uh, Steven Painter, who I guess is slightly less horrifying, but still pretty terrible, right? So, yeah, I mean, I think, like, the central analogy is really interesting. I'm just not sure how you get... Right, like you were saying about 2020 and 2016, that voter turnout was, you know, huge, massively up, more than we've seen in a really long time. But it was largely negative, Mm -hmm. right? It was just... I hate Hillary or I hate Trump. Mm -hmm. But how do you get people to sort of keep coming back year after year, you know, because they just love the Chicago Cubs, right? Cubs fan for life kind of a thing. I mean, it's harder to see exactly how to do that, right? Politicians and political parties seem to do a much better job when there's some, they can frame it as some kind of existential risk, right? Whether it's real or imagined, you know? I think one of the last words that you just said, existential, now is giving me the idea that I think is probably pretty crucial for this. Is I think you have to make it tied into people's identity in some way where they can identify with uh, what successes are happening. They can identify with the candidates who win. They can uh, identify with the candidates who lose, but maybe can go on and win uh, another office or something um 
it, in something like sports, one of the things that draws you in is their victory becomes your victory and you can identify whether you can wear the apparel, you can, even if they don't win. Like, it, th this is something that's really interesting. Yeah, the Chicago Cubs. Like, the Chicago Cubs were terrible for forever. Um, and, like, it was always a running joke amongst Cubs fans. Like, I was raised by a Cubs fan who was raised by a Cubs fan. Uh, but when I went to... Wrigley Stadium post game it was like one of the first times I've ever had chills in a crowd when they did the go Cubs go thing because I was like oh this is an entire stadium of people chanting one song and that's kind of powerful and weird um but I think the the reason that somebody like the Cubs get that sort of devotion is people identify with it it's part of what they think makes them who they are what makes them Chicagoan um, and then it ties in with their home, their place. So if you can do the same sort of thing with politics, I mean, you have the same structures, right? You have place-based representatives. Um, you have teams that you can root for in the different parties. Um, it would be nice if you had more parties. Um, that would probably be something that would help, not just for this, but for other reasons. Um, that sounds right. Yeah. But... You can like the Lakers or the Celtics. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think they're, okay, so like the Lakers, the Celtics, right, the Cubs. I mean, I, I was thinking of the Red Sox and the Curse of the Bambino, right? I mean, I remember watching the, the American League Championship where they made it to the World Series for the first time in forever and then won it for the you know first time in a century that year. That was like unbelievable. But the thing you were talking about, about being like raised by a Cubs fan who's raised by a Cubs fan. There's the belongingness thing, but there's also like a like a sense of like history to it, mm -hmm. right? So it's like belonging not just right now to this current group or whatever, but there's like, you know, no, like I'm as, you know, much of a fan as those people who were watching it in the 80s, who were watching it in the 70s, the 50s, the 40s, right? And you sort of commiserate over the the tragic you know last minute losses right i always think of poor i hate to say his name because i feel bad for the guy but poor gary anderson missing that that, that damn field goal against the falcons in like in uh, 1998 when the vikings were 15 and 1 and everyone was like we're going to the super bowl it's our year and then they had this like crushing defeat and so there's like a kind of sense of you know, people still talk about that, you know, if you're a Vikings fan of a certain age or, you know, even that sort of casual Minnesota sports fan, right? That there's this kind of like history where even like the defeats are sort of, they don't like ruin everything, but they still like, there's like a kind of solidarity or something there. Yeah, I like, I like the idea of the solidarity. Yeah, and the solidarity over time where it becomes like it's, it's a, clearly defined kind of group that exists over time yeah. generation after generation uh and it connects up with something that i did have down here uh tradition support which is a much more boring way of capturing i think sort of what you were talking about is like any sport and like any fandom you're going to carry down the sport and the fandom from one generation to the next like Unfortunately, sorry, Dad, he kind of failed with me when it came to the Cubs and the 
the Bears, um, mostly just because I'm not as interested in those sports. But like, if every if every person was like that, where it didn't get passed down, then the whole thing would just stop right there. Um, and I think yeah, the, the the sort of historical aspect of this is something interesting that I haven't thought as much about. I was more so thinking of it in terms of like now structure, but the the historical aspect is interesting because we, I mean, we have somewhat similar things. When it comes to politics, but nobody identifies really with the history or like you you learn about U.S. history in school and it's kind of a drag or you're you're sort of interested in it in a much more like detached way. But yeah, when it's something like this is our history of our sports team um, and all that, I think... I mean, the only thing that stands out to my mind is maybe there's something about the the fact that it can be seen as partly yours and either you or certain people that you know lived through it. So, like, there's, like, I was there when the Cubs won the World Series or 20 years down the road, my dad was there when the Cubs won the World Series. And then that gives you a certain relation to other people in different groups that you're in um it automatically connects you up with the other people in the fandom uh and you have that sort of shared history that not only like gets you involved in the sport and in the team but also then connects you with a bunch of other fans and like immediately can connect you and put you on common terms like the two Viking fans meet each other and they can immediately be like, oh my God, 98. Uh, yeah, right. Like, like I, was, I was at the 50-yard line yeah. in the Metrodome that day. and yeah. <laughs> Right, right. And so immediately a bunch of things are already sort of communicated between them and, and there's a sort of like structure that now they can use to navigate their fandom with each other. I mean, we do have that a little bit, but sometimes it just seems... Like, in sports, it's not usually cynical, right? Mm. I mean, it might be regretful or sad, like, yeah, you know, I was, you know, right there sitting in seat whatever in the stadium when, you know, whatever horrible thing happened and we lost that crucial game 20 years ago that everyone still talks about or whatever, right? But, like, then you have, like, Republicans will talk about being the party of Lincoln when, you know, (laughs) that's... (laughs) Or talk about like the party of Reagan, maybe is a little bit, you know, Republicans maybe not so much anymore used to talk about that. Some Democrats I've heard, you know, is Biden's doing some new stuff with Bidenomics, middle out industrial policy stuff that I see people talking about, you know, in newspapers and whatever, and they'll talk about going back to FDR, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess there's like some of it, but sometimes it just seems so cynical disingenuous or it doesn't seem like people rally around it in the same way as like the kind of sports history thing yeah that's interesting i mean i think i mean my mind initially went when you were talking about the cynical aspect of it my mind initially went to like money and politics like i think I yeah think totally it's pretty much an entirely decided by money uh and what was it the 2008 ruling or whatever and citizens united where like now just unlimited amounts of like dark money can get into politics i think so much shit comes down to that and and what's interesting it's like across the political divide i think this is a pretty common like 
judgment is people even like Trumpers will be like, yeah, money runs politics. Like it's not, it's kind of like an open secret. Um, everyone's corrupt. Not my candidate, but everyone's corrupt. My candidate's corrupt, but I, they're the devil I know or yeah. something. Or, well, they're less corrupt or they're, you They're know. corrupt for our side. Right, Um, like even there, it's still cynical, kind of a lot of the time. Yeah, and but I mean, and also just in terms of the cynical like framing of yeah, what your identity is as a party, or uh, yeah, like connecting up with traditions that you're clearly not part of. I mean, I think the the problem is the structures aren't in place to make people incentivized, or at least like accountable uh when it comes to doing honest politician work um if you're gonna win your primary because you get a certain amount of donors and appeal to a very select group of people um then yeah it's not gonna pay you to be uh like earnest and forthright um so you're not going to be because if you do then you lose and the person who does do it wins um if you make it fair or fairer and you make it clearer and transparent that it's more fair that to me is like the most obvious way to do it um obviously that's like an incredibly difficult thing to do uh i mean like one thing that would obviously help i think would be like campaign finance Mm -hmm. stuff is like i i don't see any way forward unless you fix how elections are funded and stuff I wonder but if there's like a not like a mid '90s baseball analogy, right? So the players go on strike in '94, and then attendance sort of like craters. People stop caring, you know, until you get you know later on in the '90s. Then you know everyone's focused on you know Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa trying to break, you know, the home run record, right? And then of course they do, and then you know there's. Maybe another one, because then, you know, all of a sudden it's like, well, everyone's on steroids and we know about it, right? What does that do to, you know, people's, you know, belief in the integrity and fairness of it? And how do you, you know, go about repairing that? So I wonder, maybe there's like lessons to be, to be learned or something from like some of those kind of scandals in sports. I think sports fans can often have really like rich evaluative perspectives, um, much more so than they typically would for something like politics, where my dad the other day uh, taught me the word parody. Uh, And I was like, what is this word and why does my dad know this word? I asked him a question about, like, uh, "Do do you think that there should be salary caps in sports? And he was like, yes, absolutely. Uh because and i asked him like why and he was like because that's the only way that you can have parody uh and i was like damn that is a really sophisticated evaluation uh like based on uh, a set of preferences about fairness to do with the activity itself and good right. can you say in like 10 seconds what parody is yeah man i'm sort of so as far as i know parody is just each side has equal chances of winning uh or yeah the chances aren't dominated by a couple people exactly yeah so like it's it's sort of an open playing field anybody can can sort of make it uh and something like a salary cap is perfect for doing that then it's just the choices that you make i mean there's obviously other things for a sports team like 
yeah, this this city is more of a draw than this other city or something, or this fandom is more interesting. But it definitely, if you lay like level out the playing field, then you get something like parody. Uh, like I think part of what makes politics such a drag is that there's two parties and they both kind of suck and they both consolidate into these different positions and there's really not much way of moving either of them in different directions unless you have a lot of weight or a lot of people. And if you had more different types of parties and if those parties could be successful, then you would have more options. You'd have people feeling more like ability to influence them uh, and shape where their future direction is and things like that, which I think would be really cool. Well, we don't want people buying elections or, you know, Super Bowls, so... Yeah, you want better competition. Yeah. My favorite example is the the 2017-18 Golden State Warriors. Mm. One of my least favorite teams of all time, even though it's got some of my most favorite players, because it's just this stacked team to where, like, unless one of them is injured, like, yeah, obviously they're going to win. Why am I even watching? Um... But if you make it more of an open game, like, yeah, that's exciting. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if my preferred team is going to win. I hope they do. Is that part of what we want in politics is more uncertainty over outcomes and who will win? And... I mean, right now we have maybe certainty in unpromising directions. And so is it sort of part of like political hope is like the ability to imagine a world that breaks in different ways? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a, a, a connection, though, with the hope and something like identifying with whoever it is, too, though. Because, like, especially when you're, like, part of a team like the Cubs or, like, a fan of the team like the Cubs that typically suck, uh, when they go to the playoffs, it's like, oh, this is a huge deal. Like, we could actually do this. That's really exciting. Um, and there's a sense of ownership of the hope. I mean, if you're hoping for something, typically it's because like you identify with whatever the outcome is going to be um, and think that it's going to be like enriching to your life in some way. Um, but I don't think like for either of the parties, really, there's much of a sense in which like, oh, Biden won. Awesome. Like, I'm so excited. And like, this is a personal victory for me. Uh, it was like what I was hoping for and it's enriched my life. I mean, Trump kind of did that. Uh, and I think a lot of people like Trump has a draw because he does have that more personal, like he wants to emphasize and make sure you remember in every single thing, this is about you, you, the, the voter, the citizen, you, the Trumper, like this is, uh, your movement. When they come after me, they come after you. Uh, and so any of my successes or claimed successes, like you get to take personal pride in, uh, versus, like the failures I'm just gonna deny generally um but it it, it gives people something to identify with uh but one... like you want it to be not a kind of cult of personality That's... right you want it to be like a genuine you know even even like die hard LeBron fan Ricky here or something right is you know... I'm a Jokic stand now oh I've, no. I've changed whoa it. what yeah. the he's, heck he's almost even losing that too oh as, soon as, as soon as Wemby came Wemby. into oh the league oh my gosh he was like well there's always a new go well I mean like even in that case though right for like sports fans you'd be like yeah LeBron really had a bad game or you know like oh man this season not doing well or you know you can still like have that kind of openness but when you get these like 
cults of personality around some, you know, central figure where it's just like, like for so many people, it seems like a complete unwillingness to say anything critical. Yeah. And, and even with the politicians who are sort of reluctant, I mean, the reason that they're reluctant to go against him is because he has this following. He has these really devoted disciples, right? Um, Yeah, totally. Both as voters and as intimidators, uh, which is another thing that's really scary and interesting. But that's a topic for another day. Uh, this is one of my biggest worries, the, the sort of fanaticism aspect of it. Because, um, I mean, you said that you, it sometimes happens. I think it happens a lot in sports yeah. where, where people are just fanatical. Like, that, there's not a sense in which, like, you look at a list of, like, facts about the Cubs and you're like, this is the team that I feel like I should choose and be a fan of or whatever. It's like, no, you're you're a fan for reasons independent of the quality of whoever it is you're rooting for often. Um, and you're not going to be very open-minded about, like, yeah, you know what, I'm going to start liking this other team as much. Like, most most of the time it's not as open-minded which is worrying to me and i think it is connected in with the sort of sensationalism stuff and with Mm -hmm. like the the identifying with and rooting for like one of the reasons that it has such a a draw on people is because they can identify with it no matter what because like they can uh very very easily devote themselves to it and not have to justify that devotion anyway which to me would be very bad if it got transferred over to the political realm um and so yeah like one big thing is like we also want them to be want there to be certain disanalogies with sports here so it's not it shouldn't just be an analogy it should also be a disanalogy in that whatever sort of devotion that political parties or policies or ideologies get like that devotion should be attentive to the voices of others it should be attentive to reasons for thinking one way or another it it should be very sensitive and open and and self-critical in a certain way i mean you don't want too much of that because then you sort of get the kind of paralysis of decision making and and identifying with things but yeah if you if you go in the complete opposite direction which i think is sort of what you get with trump i mean i think trump is like a a a version of the like we are going to buy into this person and anything that's said critically about it or uh anything that tries to undermine it like uh gets not just sort of ignored but like decisively rejected and like re-attacked like it 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 rebounds uh and this is like i the last chapter that i want to write for my dissertation is going to be on tnun's echo chambers Mm -hmm. thing and i think like this is like trump is a textbook case of like somebody creating an echo chamber around them uh and just insulating from any criticism um and that i don't think we want and so that's like that could be like bad model, like CNN and uh, Fox News, MSNBC, mm-hmm. uh, and Trump would be like the bad models of like here's how politics becomes sexy, how it becomes mm-hmm. a sport. Yeah. Um, but we want to figure out okay, how do we have some of that, but not all of it? Right. 
Yeah, we don't want the fans to just throw shit out on the court or the field, right? This is my one lingering worry about the analogy. And I know you're stressing there are disanalogies, but it's like, it looks like if I have these reasons, like, well, my dad liked the Cubs, so I like the Cubs. It's like these un- in- unavailable reasons. Where it or looks... you're just from this city or this yeah. state. I love that team then. or Yeah, yeah whereas politics is about, like, power <laughs> And how we want to structure our real lives together and remake society every day. And so, like, it's easy to hear the analogy and go, this is just, that, like, just aesthetics if I just like this player. Or, like, it's it's just something uh, that can't be evaluated and it's just like, this is a popular team. But when I look at the team itself, there's no reason to support them and not to go to another Um Whereas, you know, my real-life political interests are grounded in my worldview and what I think matters. Yeah, well, I mean, part of what's interesting about this is, like, when people do studies on how people form their partisan identifications, typically it is just passed down from one generation to the next. Like, there's, like, a huge amount of, like, what they attribute the causal force to is simply like your lineage like were your parents republicans or democrats and that has a big impact well, i mean then did you rebel against them or not yeah yeah, yeah. how yeah. is your relationship yeah. <laughs> do you still live in their town okay get your freud out everyone so yeah i mean i think i think the way people already kind of engage in politics is somewhat drawn in that direction or, or like I, I doubt most people form their partisan affiliations based on, like, I'm going to look at the party platforms mm-hmm. of each of them. Yeah. Uh, I actually, like, tried to go through the party platforms, like, and, like, take notes and stuff on it. I gave up because even I was bored with it because um, it's very platitudinous and I don't, like, actually buy most of what they're trying to say. But I don't think most people do form their identifications that way but i think it like you do want them to form their identifications based on what the actual substance of what the party is trying to do or what the politician is doing or the policy or the ideology um so yeah trying to figure out a way to actually keep the the sexiness factor and the the ease with which people can be sort of integrated in or drawn into the the sort of group or ideology or whatever um but also making it something that is a lot more like reason sensitive and uh grounded in what the people are actually trying to do is good i don't i don't know how the heck you do that um if you feel like yeah the the democratic party is just like this like giant thing that exists somewhere influenced by somebody but certainly not by me then it's going to be hard to be like, yeah, these are the people who are responsive to the things that I'm interested in and that I can feel like, in some sense, we exist on a cooperative plane. Is that the heater? Uh, I don't know, I guess. This is my heater. I turned it off, and then I have I can put the fan on on or auto. No. Those are my options. You it doesn't put matter. It on off? Well, it's just like the problem with politics we don't get to participate in the heating of your uh your living room my home it's decided for yeah cool well thanks for coming by paul and talking about uh what you're working on this is interesting i want to see like the future version of this yeah me too i I like the analogy i'm just 
I want to see how it gets worked out. All you have to do is wait three years for my dissertation to be finished, and then you'll get mm. to see the polished version. Finally. Sports is Politics by... <laughs> wait, other way. Politics is Sports by Paul Howitt. My dissertation. <laughs> no, I want to see the version that gets you tenure, so I'll, I'll, I'll wait like seven years for the Oxford Press version when you turn it seven into a year, book. Seven years? Yeah. Fantasy Politics. That's Fantasy. the name of your oh, yeah. tenure-winning book. Yeah. Well, you write, you write one book to get tenure, and the second book is for full professors. So. Oh, wow. Can't wait. That'll be that'll be uh, rethinking. Oh yeah, rethinking. <laughs> <laughs> Fantasy politics reconsidered. Response to critics. <laughs> <laughs>